Coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. We hit a grasshopper field going about 60 miles an hour. And these grasshoppers were, I'm not kidding you, probably the size of a half dollar. Huge. So as I was getting hit in the face and the chest and the arms and everything going through them, all my buddies were ducked down behind their windshields, avoiding them. So that was a, that was a quite an interesting little five-mile stretch we went through. That was Dalton Jenrin sharing a story from his Harley-Davidson trip across the West. We're going to get a little crazy to get serious today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Today's episode is sponsored by Dalton at uh, Country Financial, who thrives on helping families and community members through the power of education and proper insurance coverage. The unexpected will happen, so it's always best to make sure your assets in life are protected. You can check out Dalton right now at wetflyswing.com country and make sure you are protected today. Dalton from Country Financial is here to help you with some tips on making sure your outdoor gear and family is covered with insurance. We discover what type of insurance is commonly overlooked today, and we find out what you should be thinking about next time you chat with your agent. And we get some tips on preventative actions you can think about now to prepare for some crazy things that might happen in the future. Let's jump into this one and find out why Dalton, our agent, wears a half helmet while cruising on his Harley Davidson. Plus, we're going to share one of my secrets at the end of this episode. Here we go. Dalton Gendron from Country Financial. How's it going, Dalton? Oh, good, Dave. How are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, how is the... Uh, the rain is here, right? We always... We were kind of talking a lot about the weather. The rain is here. Do you find the rain is... Uh, a time you're okay with is it, what, what does the rain mean to you? You're a Northwester. Oh, I don't mind the rain too much. I grew up out in the, out in the Northwest area in the woods and whatnot. So the rain doesn't bother me too much. I'm used to, used to being out in it. Um, I obviously enjoy my sunshine, but, uh, I don't mind the rain. It's, it's good for the state. Good for our, our environment. Exactly. Yeah. That's the cool thing about the rain is it definitely is what, you know, <laughs> everything, the salmon, the, the trees, everything needs the rain. It's just, it's been dumping a lot. How's that look on, so you're with Country Financial, and how does that look? I mean, obviously the flooding, right? You look down in California, um, down south, which is kind of crazy. Is the flooding thing a major thing that you talk about, hear about, think about, and through your insurance stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So the flooding is um, it's kind of independent than um, off of most homeowners insurance. So it's not something that most people actually think about very often. Um, it's something that's required through the federal government and something that is only kind of required in certain areas. But um, a lot of my people that live up, you know, at the bottom of rivers, live next to places like that. It's something that's very, very important to have um, as it's not, as I mentioned, it's not covered in any traditional homeowner's insurance. So it's definitely something that, that I like to go over with my clients to make sure they're aware of. Yep. That's it. Yeah. So it's all documented, right? And that's where like the the floodplain maps and stuff like that, where if you're in one of those, then probably your insurance will be, you should have it there, but there's probably other times where you're going to want to have it. So that's, you know, that's one thing I just want to dig in today a little bit, you know, if somebody's listening here, like what can they expect, you know, from maybe some tips to think about kind of insurance, whether that's, you know, you have a boat or a truck, you know, whatever that is a camper, you know, maybe your home, just maybe so somebody is aware, because I think that's the education piece is what you love, right? Is like actually helping people, educating them. What does that look like for you when somebody comes into you new 
and they're listening now and they're like, okay, I want to check this out. What are the questions you kind of start off with? So the way I do this, uh, I've kind of found out in my five plus years in the industry that uh, most people are just uneducated on what their insurance mean, what it actually covers and what it can actually do for them in the event of a disaster. Um, so it's really important to me when I meet with new clients that I go over all their coverages, that they that the clients know exactly what they mean, exactly what they have covered. I've noticed a lot of people tend to miss some of the small things, um, i.e. those things being some of the things that people work so hard for, you know, their boats, their firearms, their fishing rods, their hunting rifles, things like that that may not traditionally be covered in a policy um, are really important for me to go over with clients to make sure that the things they work hard for are protected on a regular basis in the event of that big disaster. Right. Which could be a flood or a fire or something like that. I mean, how does that look when you think of, because I always think of the homeowner's insurance, right? Like, oh, you got this homeowner's policy, but does that not really cover everything? Is that part of the challenge there? Right, exactly. So it's, I mean, it's really easy to set up a basic insurance policy for somebody um, that they may, may or may not use. My big goal with clients is that making sure that they're covered in the event of every aspect. So when, for example, their house burns down, I don't want them calling me saying, hey, is this covered? Is this covered? I want them to call me and say, hey, I had a claim and me be able to say, all right, everything that you have is covered and insured and we will take care of you. Yeah, exactly. Where did you, as far as the you know, I know part of yours is like, you know, you're dealing with like the rural community, stuff like that. Where does that come from? You know, that love of really connecting with some of those people maybe that aren't the, you know, the have all the money in the world sort of thing, but they're really just looking for somebody who's, you know, honest and upfront. Where does that, you know, does that come from somewhere in your past? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a little bit about my background. Um, I grew up very blue collar. Uh, my dad's worked at, as a machinist for 35 years. Um, I personally worked in couple of different industries, construction, auto body, um, as well as growing up um, in some very, very small communities. So this kind of comes from, I've just seen, I've seen it growing up. I've seen the hard work my dad's put in. I've seen the hard work that countless other families have put in to provide work that 60, 70, 80 hours a week just to, just to provide for their family. And those are the people that I really like to connect with because those are the people that need the most protection in my opinion, that don't have all the money in the world, have worked countless hours and years to be able to have the things that they have. And those are the people that I like to talk to and educate because there's just so many little things that get missed. Uh, most agents like to get people in on the cheapest price and get them in covered. I like to make sure people are covered properly and taken care of because I would hate to have somebody have their house burned down and have not have something covered in it over something that could have been five bucks a month that we could take care of. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. What, and what did your dad do? Uh, remind us again on that. Uh, my dad was a machinist at Boeing for about 30 years. So all I knew growing up was hard work, work hard, and you'll have the things that you want. And I try and make sure I can help people provide and keep those things that they want. Gotcha. And was that in, uh, was that up in Washington? Uh, down in Portland. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, cool. That's, you got a connection down there. That's awesome. And then did he do any like outdoor activities? Where did your, you know, I know in the past you've done some fishing and stuff like that. Where did that come from? Yeah. So that all kind of came in. Um, I mean, I mean, with my dad, like I said, he was the machinist of Boeing for about 35 years in the Portland area. Uh, we grew up on the outskirts of town in a small town called Welch's um, up on the base of Mount Hood, less than a thousand people. So I, I mean, I grew up going out in the woods, going down to the river. That was quarter mile from my house and doing fishing with my dad being out in the woods. Um, I spent a lot of time as a child going up and chopping wood and doing those kinds of things. So I just learned how to work hard from a young age and it was very beneficial 
um, because I know what that means for these for these families that do work very hard for the things they have, and I know what that's like. That's it. So, and then where does when you look at country? I'm not sure. I'm not you know as familiar. We're getting a little familiar today. Like you've got Country Financial, you've got Farmers, you got a bunch of companies out there. You know, is there a big difference between all the companies? I mean, what is your take? Maybe you can't talk to that exactly, but how is Country maybe different than some of the other ones out there? The reason that I'm with country, I've been with country, as I mentioned, um, a little over five years, is because we are big on taking care of our clients, making sure our clients are covered. In bad times, for example, uh, when we had the fires out in Estacada in 2020, two and a half years ago, um, we had claims adjusters out there handing out checks to people that had lost their homes same day so that they could be provided with a place to stay, with food, with new clothes, be able to take care of their family. So those are some of the things that I really like about country and why I'm here and, and why I believe in our products um, is because of that back-end stuff of when there is a disaster, we're here to take care of our clients, communicate with our clients, be in front of them and help as much as we possibly can. How does that work with the natural? I mean, you've got obviously fire is a huge one. I mean, what are the big things that are potentially, I guess, depends on the type of country, right? Where you're at, if you're in the hurricane zone, that's a different thing. But like, can, when you look at the Northwest kind of Oregon, Washington, you know, Idaho, just kind of that area. What are the big things people should be thinking about? So fire is obviously the big one, and that's traditionally covered in most homeowners. So that's pretty basic. The big ones I see out here are are earthquake and flood are some of the things that are not traditionally covered in most policies. Earthquake being the big one, as we all know, one of these days, the mountain's going to blow, as they keep saying. And most of these homes in this area are, one, not not built for an earthquake, and two, are not covered for any kind of earthquake coverage. What most people don't know is without earthquake coverage on your home, if there is damage caused by an earthquake, you have zero coverage on your house. There's nothing. If there's an earthquake, basically, if you don't have, I mean, you are not covered. Right. And this is as much as you have a crack in your foundation and the city or county says your house is unlivable, then your house is gone and you have no money to repair it or have it replaced. And what does, just give us a rough, I'm just thinking pricing, you know, I mean, I know this totally varies, but is earthquake a similar thing to like flooding or does it all depend? Is it a major expense? Yeah, it's somewhat similar. So obviously it's going to differ on area, size of house, things like that. Um, But traditionally what I see is an extra probably 500 bucks a year to add this kind of coverage on there. So you're talking 40, 50 bucks a month to protect your entire house in the event of an earthquake. So in my opinion, it's pennies on the dollar for what, for them rebuilding a five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar house for you. Right. No, it's so interesting because that's one of those things where I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, man, I don't think my insurance agent has ever mentioned earthquakes or, you know, whatever part of the country they're in, you know, there's something that maybe they, you know, and so that's kind of your thing is you're going to walk through what are those potential things and what do you need to be thinking about? Absolutely. And that's, that's where I'm big. And that's where it kind of ties back around to the educational piece of, I'm not going to obviously force these coverages on anybody, but I'm going to make sure that you're aware of them and know what they are. So you can make an educated decision on that best fits your needs. Gotcha. What about, you know, one of the things, especially in Portland, everybody's talking about, it seems like that is like the theft and the crazy crime rate. Is that a really big thing that you're seeing, you're dealing with? Do you guys have stats on that? I don't necessarily have any stats, uh, but from a, just a personal claim standpoint in the last couple of years, um, I can't count on two hands the amount of Cadillac converters that have been stolen out of vehicle. Things like that, broken windows, um, you know, personal property being taken out of vehicles, which is not covered on auto policies. Some of those things that people are not aware of. 
So yeah, that's definitely huge. One thing I push, especially in the me working out of the metro area, having an office in here is having that comprehensive coverage on your car for so it is covered for that theft or if a Cadillac converter falls on it or it gets stolen or I actually just had a client, a tree fell on their car and got totaled out. And without that coverage on there, it's not covered. Oh, so now talk about that comprehensive, that would cover it. Right. And that's one of those ones that's pennies on the dollar to add on that people don't want to do because they don't want to spend the extra $5 a month. So comprehensive. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So you got the collision sort of thing and all that, which is just getting an accident. But literally the the other piece, which is, yeah, a tree falls on it, comprehensive covers kind of everything else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. And then what about the, talk about the fly rods and guns and all that stuff. Like what if you're, you know, in your car, you know, you got a bunch of stuff in your car on a trip and it gets stolen. What would cover that? That's a big one too, where people are pretty miseducated. All your personal property that's not permanently attached to your car is value of your homeowner's insurance and goes off of your personal property. There are, I've found out with our company included, there are quite a few items that are, have limitations on them. One of those being firearms, another one of those being jewelry. So things like that, we can do what's called scheduled personal property, meaning that we insure it for the value of what it's worth and we replace it for that cost, regardless of where it gets stolen, where it gets lost, anything like that. So anywhere in the world. Right. So that could be for specific things. So if you have a, you know, a fly rod or a gun or something you really don't want to lose, then you can get extra coverage there. Right, exactly. Or, you know, um, I was just having this conversation with a client. Um, you have that special fly fishing rod that you bought 15 years ago that's not made anymore, you know what I mean? And you can't replace it for the value that you paid for it. So you can, at the very least, insure it for what it's worth and get the value back out of it if it's ever broken or stolen or lost or anything like that. I mean, same with firearms. Some people have firearms that are passed down through generations. Obviously, it doesn't replace the firearm but at least replaces that financial burden if it's ever stolen or lost. Gotcha. So the homeowner's insurance stuff, again, going back to that, where that covers some things, but it might not fully cover everything. Like say if, yeah, if you had your stuff stolen in your car. Right, exactly. And then, and that applies the same to people that don't own homes with renter's insurance. The other big thing about these policies is it actually gives you liability coverage everywhere in the world, personal liability coverage. So if you're anywhere, you're out fishing and you're ever found negligent for anything or somebody wants to sue you, that personal liability in your homeowner's insurance actually would cover you if you're ever taken to court for anything like that. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's a big one I see. Um, a lot of people cut their liability down to try and save on price. But again, that's one of those things that protects you personally everywhere in the world. And they can come after, I mean, everything from your wages to your assets to your retirement accounts if you don't have the proper protection. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. So that's part of the thing. And then let's take it back to that. If somebody's having a conversation with you, you're kind of walking through all this stuff and within what, like a half an hour, hour of a little session, you can kind of have a good feel for what, you know, sort of coverage somebody might need. Right. Yep. And I would like to get a full picture to make sure you're, I go a little more in depth than most agents, I would say. I mean, I want to know what your income is, what your assets are, what you like to do for fun. So I know how to properly protect you. If I don't personally get to know you a little bit and know what you're about and what you like, it's hard to properly protect you the right way, insurance wise. Exactly. And out of your folks, you know, obviously if somebody's new to it, that's the first part, right? Getting to know them a little bit, understanding kind of some of their challenges and then, and then what they need. I mean, that's the thing. You don't want to sell stuff they don't need, obviously. No, absolutely. And I'm big on that. I don't like to sell anything that's not necessary for the client or the client doesn't feel like they need. 
Perfect. So renter's insurance, um, homeowner's insurance, those are similar kind of things, right? They both do a kind of a similar sort of uh, thing for the, the insured. Correct. So essentially the only difference is the homeowner's insurance covers obviously the house that you own to rebuild it. The renter's insurance essentially just gives you that personal liability and gives you that personal property coverage. So for example, if you just have an auto policy and you have a say two fishing rods in your car and they get and it gets broken in and stolen, you have no coverage for those rods without either a renter's policy or a homeowner's policy. Oh right. So that renters or homeowners could cover some of that stuff in there. Yep, yeah, it'll cover your personal property, anything that's not permanently attached to the vehicle. Oh, that's not permanent. So so it would cover some of that at homeowners, but the other thing where you need extra coverage might be when would that be? When you might need some extra coverage on top of the homeowners. It would more be like the, the homeowners covering your personal property. What would be covered under the auto insurance is, say, the broken window. If they take the stereo, they take your cat, they take your wheels and tires, things like that are all covered under the auto. But any personal items you have in the vehicle are not covered unless you have one of those other policies. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, I have a funny story. Well, it was a long time ago, but I had my car stolen in Portland. Again, back in Portland, it was, I was, I think it was in just out of high school but I was actually driving down to get my insurance. It was kind of weird, but I was getting my, I think I was on my parents at the time, but I was getting my insurance and, or something like that, or an update. And I literally was like playing the music too loud. It wasn't even an expensive car, but they stole it within five minutes. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. Like I went in, I forgot something went out and my car was gone. I was like, oh man. Oh yeah. It can happen that fast. And I've seen, I mean, I've seen everybody from me yeah, going into the store to grab dinner and come out and their car be gone or it could happen fast. Oh it's such a terrible feeling. It's such, a, and I can't imagine losing a house because, I mean, that car being stolen it has affected my entire life, even to today, right? Oh, absolutely. It's violating having somebody take something that's yours. Exactly. What do you give people, you know, so insurance is obviously one thing that's, you know, you have to have. Are there other educational pieces or resources you tell somebody like, hey, here's some other things you can do to make sure these things don't happen? Or, you know, does anybody ever ask you about that? Like, you know, other protections? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I definitely have some preventative measures for people to do. I recommend all of my homeowners just for their own personal protection. Things like run through your entire house with a video camera or your phone, not for the insurance purposes, but for your own sake. If you have a fire that burns on your entire house, it's a life-changing event. You're not going to remember everything that's in your house. You're not going to remember that, you know, that extra piece or those things you had tucked away. Fly boxes, like think about how many fly boxes and reels and all, I mean, all that little stuff. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Ammo, firearms, all kinds of things that you can have in there. I know me and I'm sure many other people that are listening have quite a supply of some of those things. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so things like that, just for your own protection to make sure you're covered and kind of cover your own basis. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's big, like for people, and I'm sure a lot of people have for property, which is really big where the homeowners comes into play. You're liable for anything that happens on your property, whether you allow it or not. Someone gets hurt on your property, you're liable for those things. You have an animal that goes out and hurts somebody, you're liable for those things. So things like that where it's just kind of, hey, pay attention a little bit and make sure that you're not doing anything dumb to cover your own sake for some of those things. For the car insurance, don't leave your car unlocked when you go out to the store. You know, Don't leave your car running even if you're running in somewhere quick. Things like that to kind of help yourself in, in a lot of those factors. Exactly. Yeah. My friend had a, um, well, Russ, shout out to Russ. He, he had this really cool Ford pickup back in the day. This is probably in that same time after high school. And they put a switch in under the, you know, whatever the glove compartment, which turned off whatever the power. So literally if somebody tried to jack it, 
there was nothing. You know what I mean, so there's probably some of that stuff. If somebody had a really cool car, I'm sure these new cars have that too. Oh yeah. I have some people that have, you know, I got people that do a lot of off-road and have Toyotas that they have twenty, thirty thousand dollars in. And I recommend things like that on those for sure. Some kind of defense mechanism to help protect yourself on top of locking it or one of the, you know. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the world, I mean, this is probably a bigger picture, but you know, this goes back to like all the craziness, you know, it seems like when you're in it, there's all this crazy. And I just talked to somebody from Norway who uh, has, he just moved from Montana to Norway and he has a lodge over there. And he was just saying how chill everything is over there. Do you think, um, you know, either like right now things are getting crazier or is it just, you know, like that's just the feel like that's not really, I mean, do you have any take on that at all? Like, do you see more things going on? I definitely think uh, society's got a little crazy, at least around this area that I noticed. I can't necessarily speak for the rest of the country, but um, it's definitely more rampant in the city. But I think that's just due to more people, more recklessness. Um, it seems like people that are more in the rural areas just respect their things more, respect other people's property more, respect other people more. But I've been seeing a little bit out there too, even. I mean, I have people that live on property that up in... I just had a client move from Welch's to Estacada because it's not safe up there anymore. And that's crazy to me. Oh, really? Welch's isn't? Oh, right. Welch's because all the, like, well, whatever you call the people, there's some weird stuff going over there, right? Drugs and stuff. Right. And you just get, it's just, I don't know. People are seeming to get a lot more, um, I don't know what the right word for it is, but just a lot more willing to go out and commit these crimes and do these things. And it used to not be that way, you know? And I just, I don't know where the disconnect happened, but it's, it's definitely not not the world it used to be when it comes to, especially where I'm at in the cities and stuff where I work out of and you know spend some time around it during my work hours. It's, it's not the same, man. I hear you. No, I do. I mean, I I'm, I grew up in the same thing. I mean, I know this area well, and I remember there was, you know, the door was never locked back in the day. You know what I mean? Right. And that's how I was. I mean, in high school, I used to leave my keys in my car at night. I would pull in my driveway, leave my keys in my car unlocked, and come out the next day and get in and go. I would never do that these days. No, I know. Yeah, it, it is a little bit different. What's the, um, so on that end, I mean, what is the crazy, have you had some crazy things that you've dealt with over the years as far as insured stuff or any stories like that? Yeah. I mean, nothing too over the top, but I mean, I've had everything from, you know, car thefts to house break-ins to things like that. Um, so especially in Portland, I, I get a lot of a lot of stolen cars or a lot of uh, hit and runs are a big one in the city area, largely, in my opinion, doing to other people being uninsured is usually where that comes from. Um, so you get some of those I got to deal with, which can really be a nightmare for the client. You know what I mean? Having to have their car in a shop, having to get a rental car, having to try and get find the other party to have them pay for the damages, things like that. But I mean, yeah, I see. I mean, I have probably two to three car claims a, a month of either someone being hit or their car being stolen or a window broken out or something like that. Right. That's just becoming a common thing. Talk about a little bit on your target um, kind of customer or client, because it is focused to kind of the Northwest. Talk about who that person is. Like if somebody's listening now, you know, who is that person that you could help out? Right. So my ideal clients are anybody that obviously owns a home. Um, I'm big on helping families out, newly married couples, kids that have just had children, I don't directly do financial planning, but I have a business partner that does financial planning as well on top of the insurance. And so it's really important for some of these people that have either don't think retirement's even in the picture or don't know how to get there. 
Um, and that's really what I love doing, man, is I get to help people out with insurance. I get to get them hooked up with a financial plan. So they actually have what it looks like to be able to retire and have some money. And it's not as outrageous as people think it is. It's very doable. So people like that, that are in their, you know, late twenties, early thirties, forties, that need some help, um, on either how to finish life out or how to properly be insured. So they don't get in a bad position, um, in the long run, things like that. I mean, like I said, a bad insurance claim can ruin your life if you're not properly protected. So, I mean, they can take everything from your wages to your retirement to, to like I said, your house, your cars, things like that. So getting in front of those people that are starting to gain a lot of assets are really the people that I like to sit down in front of and make sure that they're protected and all the stuff that they're working hard for to try and get to is going to be able to happen and be possible for them. No, I love the financial planning. That is another big struggle for people is... Yeah, like you said, it feels like you kind of have to work forever, you know what I mean, until you're until you're out of here, right? But there is ways to, if you planned properly, you could actually kind of uh, have a retirement date. Oh, there's absolutely ways. And I'm learning more and more being in this industry that it's it's doable for the average Joe that works 40, 60 hours a week in that blue collar job. It's very, very doable with the right direction and education. Yeah. Exactly. What is on that? I mean, I know you're not an expert there, but what do you, somebody probably asked you that a lot, like, okay, I'm really want to retire in the next five years, 10 years. Is that something where you work together with your partner to talk about that? Yep, absolutely. And then I will typically get that client in, um, in front of my partner. We, we do joint meetings together because they'll actually get into the, the, into the planning. They do a full actual retirement snapshot and plan that actually runs scenarios, runs percentages, all things like that at your retirement to show you what your actual success rate is. Um, the other nice thing about being with country is typically meeting with our financial advisor and making a plan is a $500 fee. If you're a client with me, but we actually waive that fee, just an added benefit that we use that we like to utilize. So I like getting my clients taken care of in the, in the full picture of things, not just on the insurance side. Okay. What is the, you know, I want to talk about the, what the switching would look like, but when somebody has, maybe they have insurance right now, well, they likely have insurance right now and they're wondering like, okay, am I covered? Maybe, maybe they just picked it up and they're not quite sure. How do they know like what they have and maybe whether it's worth a change, you know, what do you recommend on that? First, like how do the people know what they have and then how would they do the connection with you to find out is that maybe that's how they do it? Honestly, without you being educated, it's really hard to know if you're covered properly. I mean, you look at an insurance declaration page, which is what shows all of your coverages. There's You're looking at 50 different numbers of things. It's really hard to kind of dissect what it means without actually sitting down in front of somebody. I love doing reviews for people, regardless of if you want to make a switch or not. I'm happy to look at um, an insurance policy. I, just have, I would just have a potential client email it over to me, take a look at their policy, if they feel like they want to quote, I'll absolutely give it to them. But I'm also very upfront with people. If I think you're in a good position and you're covered and your price is good, I'm going to tell you that. I'm not going to tell you to switch for no reason over to me if it doesn't make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's one of those things where you can literally just take their, they can send you some documents and show you what they have with their insured, what they have covered. You can look at the numbers and be like, okay, you know, this is what you're missing. You can do your kind of the review. Yep. It's that easy for me. So it's, I mean, it takes clients five or 10 minutes to get me over documents typically, and I can review, do a full review for them and have answers for them within 24 hours. Gotcha. So that's it. So that's the best way to do it. And then, and if they did find, if you looked at that and they, it sounded like you had some other opportunities that could help, what does the process look like in switching? Like if somebody wanted to switch over from their current carrier over to you, how does that look? So uh, that process is pretty easy. Um, we essentially, uh, 
agree on a date, you want to start your insurance with us. Uh, we communicate either, I can actually do it a couple of ways. Either the client can communicate with their current company if they want to cancel or actually have some documents they can sign that I can actually just send over to the other company to cancel. So it's very, very easy. Most companies typically will issue you a refund if you still have money left on the days that you paid for. Some people pay, you know, pay that full six months at a time for the auto, things like that. So you can actually get refunded back. You don't have to wait till the end of your term to switch, which is a pretty big misconception in the world that you have to wait until your policy term is up to switch over. Oh, right. You don't. They'll prorate or something like that. Yep, exactly. So that's a big one. And then the homeowners is super easy. Most people with their homeowners insurance pay it within their mortgage with their property taxes, their mortgage payment. So that's super easy. All we do is make the switch. I communicate with your mortgage company that you made a switch, send them the updated documents, and then they write us a check for the year, pay off your homeowners insurance, and then bill you monthly with your mortgage payment. So the switch is very, very easy and painless. Perfect. Well, what other things are there to know about this process? It sounds like the first step would be, you know, calling you probably would be best or emailing somehow getting in touch. And we'll have a link out to that, obviously, in the show notes. Um, Is that kind of the first step and as easy as that? Yeah, I definitely uh, I definitely like to communicate with people if they're thinking of making a switch. I mean, like I said, I like to get in depth. So I want to know why you're switching. I want to know what your issues are with your company. So I kind of know what I'm getting into and, and how I need to help you. So typically what I would do is if you reach out to me by email or in the link provided, um, I'm going to try and set up a phone call with you potentially, gather a little bit of basic information, ask those things, you know, why you want to switch, what's going on, what your issues are, and kind of go from there. And that helps make a decision on what that client may or may not need. Yeah, that would be my thing. I'd be thinking... You know, and probably a lot of people are thinking the same thing out here is like, okay, you know, what is the current stuff and how does that compare to others out there, right? And not knowing, right? And having no education on it, that would be a big question. Right, which is why I like to get other people's insurance documents so that they can literally see what I have versus what they have side by side. So there's no misconception of pricing, coverages, what's being done. You know exactly what you're getting from me and how it compares to your current company. Exactly. Okay. And you mentioned before we talked just briefly, um, you know, just about some of the outdoor. So what are the things in the outdoor space you like? It sounds like, uh, you know, you haven't been doing maybe a lot of fishing lately, but uh, it sounds like maybe hiking. And is that some of the stuff that, you know, that gets you outdoors? Oh, yeah. So me and my wife, uh, we got a couple of golden retrievers. So we we love to get out, go hike into the, uh, we do everything. We've done hikes in the gorge, at the coast, um, down at the river. We like to go all over and adventure around. We used to do some snowboard, and it's been a couple of years. I'm getting a little bit older, so it's starting to kick my butt a little bit <laughs> doing the snowboard and stuff. <laughs> but I very much enjoy that. Um, I don't do as much fishing as I used to, but I would absolutely love to. And then I used to do a lot of other outdoor things. Um, I used to have an off-road vehicle, so I'd do everything from going to the sand dunes to the snow to go play in the rocks, things like that. I just like being outside, man, and, and enjoying nature. You know, too many of us sit in front of a TV for six hours a day anymore, and I just that's not me. I like being out and about. Um, summertime, I got a motorcycle, so I'm out riding that as much as possible in the summertime. Nice. What's your bike? What kind of bike do you have? Uh, I got a 95 Harley Davidson. Oh, wow. Nice. A Harley. God, that's amazing. Oh, I, I love it. My dad wouldn't let me have anything else. Oh, so your dad was <laughs> our big Harley guy. Yep. Yep. He's rode for a very, very long time. He's got a old bike, a 73 shovelhead Harley Davidson sitting in his garage that he's had for about 35 years. And that was just the way I grew up. That's the only bike I ever wanted. Sure. So you have a Harley. And what is your Harley? If we wanted to look up a photo on Google, what would it be? What's the model? 
Uh, you can look up a Dyna Wide Glide 95. Dyna Wide Glide, okay. I'll look at, we'll throw a link to the show notes. I'm always interested. Motorcycles is one of those things I always thought would be cool, but I've always been kind of a little like a little, <laughs> little afraid, right? That's one of those. Well, tell me that yourself. You're a motorcycle I mean, and insurance. I mean, it seems like obviously car accidents are huge, right? Lots of people die in those things. Are motorcycles, I mean, how do you stay safe out there? As a motorcycle rider, it's, I mean, obviously you can only do so much to control other people, but it's, it's huge. You think, I mean, you have to just pay attention more than I expect everybody on the road to make the wrong choice when I'm out riding. That's what helps keep me safe. I, you know, I expect that person to change a lane in front of me or to turn out in front of me or not see me or things like that. And that's what helps keep me safe is things like that. And just being hyper vigilant when you're on the road on a motorcycle, because you're going to, I mean, you have people that drive big trucks and vehicles that get hit that people don't see, let alone a motorcycle. So it's just big. And most of the people I know that ride, you know, don't try and go, they don't try and do the race bike thing and go hundred miles an hour everywhere. They like to enjoy riding. And that's what I like. I don't like riding the freeways. I like riding the back roads with the curves and the turns and in the trees and, and the stuff like that, that makes it fun being out there. You know, I did a uh, last summer, actually me and about four buddies did a, motorcycle ride down to reno nevada and that was that was beautiful it was a fantastic ride wow what was your route what route did you take to get there uh we went over the mountain so we went over mount hood down through lapine and bend and klamath falls and then cut through california um on the i guess that would be kind of the northeast side and then cut down through reno so we we pretty much avoided all freeways as much as possible and did all the back roads it was fantastic that's it. God, that sounds awesome. And were there any, was it like a perfect, did you have any, you know, crazy encounters or close calls out there? Yeah, we, so we sure did. So my bike is, uh, my bike's a 95. It's old. I don't have saddlebags on it. I don't have a windshield on it. It's very, very basic, which I like about the Harley. Most of my friends, they got newer bikes. They have windshields, you know, they got fairings, things like that on it. So we, uh, in California, we hit a grasshopper field going about 60 miles an hour and these grasshoppers were i'm not kidding you probably the size of a half dollar oh wow huge so as i was getting hit in the face and the chest and the arms and everything going through them all my buddies are ducked down behind their windshields avoiding them so that was a that was a quite an interesting little five mile stretch we went through Damn. did you almost like wipe out was it one of those things where you couldn't even see yeah, I wanted to pull over and stop, but I wanted to get through them too. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't want to stop and wait, but they're also pelting me in the face and the eyes and the, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, that's right. What kind of helmet? What's your, cause I know that was one of those things, right? There's another insurance thing for you. Remember, I mean, Oregon has a helmet law. Yeah. Um, what's your helmet of choice? So I just use a half helmet. The reason being is I've tried a full face helmet. One, I don't have I don't have the visibility in it that I like. The my peripheral vision sucks in it. I don't breathe in it very well the way I like to. It just feels constricted. So I like the half helmet. It's I mean it's DOT approved, it's safe, and I can see and function better in it than I can in a full face helmet. Yeah, exactly. So you were, yeah, you had the half helmet. You were getting whacked in the face all with these bugs all over the place. Oh yeah. I was getting I was getting hit left and right. <laughs> Damn, damn, that is nuts. <laughs> What's that movie? You remember that movie from the 70s, Jane's Fonda's dad, right? The, the, the Har- remember the Harley they drove across the country? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I'll tr- if I remember it, I'll bring it up, but it was like <laughs> crazy. In the end, they went through some town, wherever it was, in the southern part of the country or something, and 
you know, they got taken out, you know, on their Harleys because he had, I think he had, a, well, it was one of them, I think it was good. There were a couple of hippies sort of thing or whatever, but yeah, I mean, when you're out there, that must be the thing riding around is that people just don't, either don't see you or maybe they don't respect, you know what I mean? Like that's where I could see the close calls. Like somebody just turns India and you're not being aware and boom, you're laying it down. Right. Exactly. They, I mean, I think you, people just don't know, you know what I mean? They think you have the reaction time you do in a car and you can make the maneuvers you can in the car and you just can't do that on a motorcycle. I can't slam on my brakes going 60 and come to a safe stop like you can in a four-wheeled vehicle or swerve off to the side and run into a barrier because I have a 3,000 pounds of steel around me. I don't have those options, you know what I mean? So I think people just are uneducated in some of those things. They think they can cut in front of the bike or do this because the bike can maneuver and figure it out on their own. And we just can't do the same things that you can do in a car. Have you ever had to lay it down? I mean, have you ever done that before? Um, I haven't laid it down yet. But I've had a couple of close calls. Every motorcycle rider I know says it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You ride long enough and you will put the bike down. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. That's it. Gosh. Well, I mean, it's amazing. I think the Harley I've always liked again. I'm just jealous because I think it's pretty awesome. Like I said, the Harley is, I think the Harley for me is the ultimate. I mean, there's a lot of motorcycles out there. And I remember back in the day, I was even back at the scooter day. I was like, man, even a scooter would have been cool. Although now I realize like, dude, the scooter, you want some power, right? That's one of the things. Right. And I don't care what anybody says. The sound of that Harley is the best sound there is. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Is your souped up and like extra loud or is it just kind of normal? It's not too bad. I, I put some new pipes on it this, this past summer, make it a little bit louder. But that's also partially for safety, believe it or not. Oh, it is. Some of these people don't really, they think, you know, all oh, these Harley riders want big, loud bikes. It's actually part of it's for safety to make sure other people can hear you if they can't see you. Oh, right. So you literally, yeah, you gas it and that's letting people know. Oh, yeah. I've, I've had plenty of situations where I just gas it because my bike's loud enough and it helps people from turning in front of me or making that bad decision or things like that because they may not see me, but they can hear me. That's so cool. I'm sticking on this trip because I'm excited about it. But so again, so across the Rio, did you guys do the... Um, was this like hotel in it, camping? Like, how'd you do that? Uh, we did, we rode all the way to Reno in one day. So we did about 14 hours of riding. It was a long day. And then on the way back, we actually uh, stopped at just north of Crater Lake and camped overnight with, uh, I had a bedroll, a pillow, and a pack of beef jerky. And that was about all we had. We camped overnight and then headed home the next morning. That's it. That sounds pretty awesome. I will tell you what, riding out of Lapine at, seven o'clock in the morning is not very nice on a motorcycle. Oh, it was, why is that? Just a little cold? When it's about 35 degrees. Yeah, that's right. Cause you guys did it in the, when, when was that when you did that trip? It was the summertime, but over in central Oregon there, it gets real cold at nighttime, even in the summertime. Yeah. Right on. Well, this is good. Anything else you want to shed light on as far as insurance? I mean, we kind of dug into that a little bit. I think the take home message is that there's probably worth getting some education to find out, you know, what, are you missing anything? Do you need earthquake insurance? All this stuff, right? It's probably worth a call just to find out. That's what it comes down to, Dave, is most people think that this process is so complicated. I think that's why a lot of people don't review their insurance or don't want to make a switch because they think it's a big, long, complicated, hard process. And it doesn't have to be. I recommend everybody at least once every couple of years reviews their insurance, whether it's with their same company or not. Um, I try and sit down with all my clients that are willing at least once a year to uh, review those life changes, review their policy, make sure that it still fits their needs. So I think that's very, very vital that a lot of people miss is just take that 20, 30 minutes once a year to review their policy with their agent or shop the race around if that's what they feel like they need to do. 
um, and just review it and, and make sure that everything's up to date and where it needs to be. That's a great tip. Yeah, that's an awesome tip is that literally just go to your agent right now and be like, hey, let's review things, see how we're doing, you know, because insurance doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily always going up in price, right? No, I mean, I, I meet with many clients that I don't necessarily make any changes, but I learned that they, you know, that they want to buy a house next couple of years, they're planning on having kids, their income went up, you know, they started a business, things like that, you find out that can help. And it comes back to that whole financial planning thing too of, Hey, maybe now this, this is the time this year is the time to get started. You're, you know, you gain some income, you calm down on some of the other things, like you're in a better position now, which is why it's important to meet with my clients on a regular basis. Yep, exactly. Right on. Well, let's take it out of here. We've been doing this, um, this little two minute drill, just as a good chance to give me the heads up that it's time to take it out of here. So I've got a couple of quick little, little questions and we'll take it out in a couple of minutes. So what is the, if you look out, you know, the next year or two or whatever, is there an outdoor activity you've been thinking, you know, maybe that's like skydiving or something like that, that you maybe want to, you know, add to the goal list? Well, funny you say skydiving. I've actually done that a couple of times and it is amazing. Is it? Is it worth it? Oh, it is. So it is the best adrenaline rush I've ever had. No kidding. It is absolutely fantastic. Did you jump with somebody like you're paired up with somebody? Yep. I've done it twice and both times I jump with somebody. But um, as far as your question, I really want to get back into fishing. That's to be my big goal this year is to really go out and get the gear I need again, get a fishing license and get back out there on the river. One, just for me, I love the peace and quiet. I'll be able to get out in the morning by myself, so peace and quiet, or, you know, go out. I have some friends that have some boats that like to go out and do things like that. And so that's really my big goal this year as far as outdoor stuff is get heavily back into fishing. Perfect. That's a, definitely a doable one for sure. And I'm in a, a skydiving has been on my list for a while. Highly recommend it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you've talked about a couple of tips here, a few tips. Is there one more, you know, just focusing on that insurance? Somebody's listening, they're like, okay, you know, what's one thing I can kind of implement in the next, you know, say week or, or month that would help them out? Anything come to mind there? My biggest one, especially I, I think for for the listeners that are, that would be on this is making sure that that personal property is protected, those firearms, those fishing rods, those expensive hobby items that you may have making sure those things are protected because those are some of the things that, I mean, you know, people save up, they work two, three months just to be able to buy that special fishing rod, that special hunting rifle, that scope for that rifle, those extra fly fishing attachments, you know, those things like that, um, that are really important to make sure you're covered for, because that's what, I mean, that's why people work, right. You know, to be able to go out and do these things and enjoy life. And without those things that kind of takes away the whole purpose. Exactly. Do you find um, people are, you hear from people that are losing stuff or maybe they're, you know, dumping their boats or they're, you know what I mean? Like it might not be theft or something like that, but is there other crazy stuff you hear about out there or is that not as common? Yeah. I mean, a little bit more so what I saw, um, which is why I'm really big on education is again, going back to those fires is so what happened is as soon as fires started out there, country and along with every other insurance company, a place was called the moratorium, meaning we couldn't write any new business or make any changes out in those areas. So what I found was I had clients calling me and other agents trying to all of a sudden add on this coverage, add this to their insurance, making sure that this coverage is up when it was already too late. So that's a big one. And that's why it goes back to the just doing the review to make sure you're covered because what you don't want to do is try and make those changes when you're in the, in the middle of a disaster or after a disaster. Gotcha. And I was just, uh, I'll put a, a shout out to uh, Karmic Outdoors. This is another little, it's not insurance, but it's actually another thing that... It's for lost stuff, so you can actually get a tag. We had them on a while back. 
that goes onto your stuff, right? And then if you were, did happen to lose it or, you know what I mean, that can happen occasionally. Uh, but I think you have to have both. You got to have obviously the right insurance and then you got to have some tools for making sure, you know, you're doing things smartly out there. So right on. All right, Dalton. Well, I think we're good. I think that gives uh, everybody listening a little heads up um, for you, you know, looking out. I just always love to, you know, we're into 23 now as in the next year. Are you going to just uh, kind of keep doing more of the good stuff out there? Anything new you got coming? Any trips or any focus with the, you know, the family or anything? Nothing big. We've got a couple of trips. I'm actually making my first Canada trip uh, in April. Oh, nice. So I'm going to go up to Vancouver Island, just do a little small vacation up there, get out of the country, somewhere I've always wanted to go. So we're going to do that. And then uh, if the year goes right, I'm hoping to end the year with potentially a Hawaii trip for the wife. That would be my ultimate vacation goal for this year. That's it. Which island? Are you, you got an island in mind? Um, I don't right now. We went a few years ago and went to, uh, went to Oahu and it was great, but it was a little too, uh, town and touristy for me. So I want to go somewhere a little more quiet and low key and relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's probably a lot of them. We, um, I mean, we've been to Maui a couple times and the other end of the national park site is pretty cool. You can kind of get away from it. It's a little crazy. There's the tip. It's a little crazy out there because Hawaii isn't quite, um, there's not as many signs, you know what I mean? It's like, it's almost like the wild west out there a little bit. So you got to be careful. Probably have the right insurance before you go on your Hawaii trip. Do you guys do that as well? Is that one of those things people are like, you're on vacation. Is that something that, you know what I mean? You should be calling your insurance agent before heading out on a vacation. Um, I mean, yes and no, that just goes back to making sure you're properly insured because as I mentioned, the homeowners covers all your personal property when you're on vacation. So making sure that that you know, the big ones I see for vacation are like the jewelry, the that $20,000 wedding ring that you don't have insured properly, and then you lose it in the ocean for swimming, things like that. Um, and definitely never a bad idea to let your agent or company know that you're going to be away for your house for a couple of weeks, or, you know, there may not be somebody there, things like that. Perfect. All right, Dalton. Well, we'll send everybody out to Country Financial, and we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, we got to redirect there, wetflyswing.com slash country. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for uh, definitely shedding some light on all this today and giving people some tips. And we'll be in touch with you as we move ahead here and uh, and we'll check on getting that proper education, right? Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Dalton. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Dave. Bye. So there you go. Coming in on the Harley, rumbling down the road. And uh, Dave's secret today, we're going to share that right now on this episode. Uh, I have always wanted, I've always wanted a Harley Davidson. That's something I've been thinking about for a long time, but have been just a little too wimpy to put it together. So, so I'm not sure if that uh, if that makes me uh, less of a man, but that's uh, that's my story. That's my my little secret for this episode. You can head over to wetflyswing.com/slash four one one four hundred and eleven. You can get the show notes and check out what Dalton has going. You can find out how to connect with him and uh and get some education dalton did a good job today digging into it and sharing some tips of how you can up your game on your insurance this week a quick listener shout out before we get out here tom mccoy tom reached out uh back on email and said congratulations on us reaching 400 episodes we are we are already past 400 now, and Tom was actually a guest on a past episode. Tom, just want to say thanks for checking in. Let me know if you want to connect with us. You can do that by email, Dave at Wetfly Swing, and I would love to hear from you. Um, how do we make it real easy to connect? Okay, let's take a look where we're headed next before we get out of here. Okay, we got Joe Jackson. 
Joe Jackson, the writer, tomorrow. Not Joe Jackson, the bass, uh, deer hair popper tire. We got another Joe Jackson tomorrow. We're going to dig into some on Alaska and find out uh, some tips up there. Uh, Joe has written a book, and he's got some other content out there that's going to help you uh, put together that Alaska trip. And I know uh, a lot of us out there are thinking about Alaska as we get into uh, this year. So check in with that episode tomorrow. All right, I'm going to get out of here right now, and uh, and it is a moderately late evening. So if it's evening where you are, I want to say I hope you have a great evening, a great morning, or a great afternoon, and I look forward to talking to you very soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.